0: Thanks for listening to Summit PA Sermon Audio, weekly teaching from the Summit Church in Indiana, Pennsylvania. SummitPA.church, every life made different. Thank you. Good morning. So good to see you. So glad to be with you today. Um, Thankful for the opportunity to bring God's word to you. I recognize that some of you might be like, who is this chick? Anyway, so I want to tell you a little bit about me and my story of just how I got to Summit. I went to IUP, um, started in 2011 at IUP, I studied exercise science, Um, I was on the IUP softball team and I was involved with FCA leadership, the fellowship of Christian athletes and all through college I had planned to study exercise science, get my bachelor's degree and then go on to go to graduate school to be a physical therapist. I had broken my leg when I was in high school, and then since then, since I didn't know what to do with my life, I think I was like, I think I could do that when I grow up. I think I could be a physical therapist. So that was my plan the whole way through, since like my junior year of high school. And I know that God had put a heart for missions in me, but it was something that I never really voiced. I didn't know how to voice, because I had no experience And knew nothing really about it. I just knew I want to do something in this world. And so the opportunity came for my first trip actually to go with the Fellowship of Christian Athletes to the Dominican Republic. And I believe this is, well, this is in 2013, uh, the middle of my college career, and I believe I think my heart just like exploded uh, in the Dominican Republic <laughs> because it just it just grew so much more um, for this heart for missions and so I remember thinking after that okay there has to be a way I can incorporate physical therapy with missions I have to figure this out because this has been my plan I don't think I'm supposed to change it but what do I do and so I I looked all this up and. There are physical therapists who do medical missions. I know you just think of doctors and dentists, but it's a real thing. Um, So that was my plan. I'm going to accumulate a lot of debt and then basically be a missionary. So I don't know how that was going to work, but um, that was my game plan. And so I actually had been accepted into St. Francis University for graduate school Um, in the later half of my senior year. I really started getting anxious, really anxious, and questioning and just pretty much freaking out about what is my next step. Like, I think it's physical therapy. It has been, but I think God might be leading me somewhere else. I have this this pull on my heart towards missions, and so I decided, you know what, I'm just going to keep moving forward until God makes it clear, until God says no, and so that's what I did, Um, and I ended up graduating in, well, (laughs) you're welcome, I graduated, Uh, but I did graduate in May, and uh, in May of 2015, and still at this point, my game plan was physical therapy, but I was torn apart inside. You can ask him, she remembers me freaking out, and a lot of other people, but um, the middle of May, uh, two weeks before I was supposed to start classes at St. Francis, I thought, you know what, God, I've been begging you this whole time to give me an answer and tell me what to do, but I've never actually gotten quiet and listened and got with you and, and heard from you. I say, God, tell me, tell me, tell me, but never took time to listen. And so I remember being in my parents' house in the middle of May. Um, I was in that transition period, and I went up to my room, and I thought, all right, God, Whatever you want me to do, I don't know what it is, whatever you want me to do though, I'm yours. And so I just remember him so clearly saying, Steph, just trust me. And although it wasn't like, this is what you should do, I knew in my spirit that he just meant, you're gonna lay this down. It's been your plan the whole time, but now you're gonna lay it down. And so that's what I did. I told my parents, that night, (laughs) who I had not been informing (laughs) and keeping them up to date with all of the things going on in my head up to this point. So it was quite the shock uh, for them, but that's okay. They're good now. Uh, And I also also told uh, Kim, who had been mentoring me that later half of my senior year, and I told her, I feel like I'm supposed to lay this down. I feel like this is what God wants me to do. And um, I shared that with my FCA directors as well. And then after I laid it down, uh, year, or a year later, a week later, very different, I got a call from Mel, and he said, hey, Kim told me about what you decided. Would you ever want to lead trips for a church? Because in my mind, if, if I lay this down, it's like I can be a medical missionary or a missionary, and I didn't feel like God was saying missionary. So when he asked me this, I was like, what? <laughs> like, That's a thing? And so I was like, yeah, I think I'd be interested, but I have no idea how to, how to do that at all. So I said yes. I didn't know he meant at Summit. He said, yes, I mean at Summit. And, uh, so I had, I had said, let me think about it. So I thought about it and then told him yes. And, uh, he had confessed to me that he had basically been interviewing me my whole senior year. So be aware you might be being interviewed. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but, but I am thankful for that. Thankful I didn't have to do a real interview, but, um, but, I am so grateful that uh, I had accepted this position in ministry and actually started here at Summit the same day that I was supposed to start classes at IEP. Not IEP, at St. Francis. So um, God is good. He has redeemed me from physical therapy school. So no, just kidding. But somehow... Three years later, I get the opportunity to share God's word with you, and I'm grateful for that. So today, we are going to be looking at Colossians. We've been in um, the book of Colossians for the the last couple weeks, and today we are actually finishing chapter 1. So Colossians is a letter written by Paul, and uh, this whole letter we've been learning about the supremacy of Christ. That Christ is supreme and above all else. Basically, nothing else matters. And it's important for us to get a better glimpse of what Paul was going through. You see, Paul is a a Jew who persecuted Christians. He actually hated Christians and killed them, and he set out for this as his mission. But one day, he encountered Jesus, the living Jesus, and uh, it changed everything for him. So now, Paul is this Jew who actually, who once killed Christians, and now proclaims Christ. And so we can learn from him in this book, but while writing this letter, while he's penning this letter, he's actually in chains. He's actually suffered so much for the gospel already. And, and during this letter, he has been put into prison, and sometimes, I don't know about you, but sometimes I can read the Bible, and I'm like, oh yeah, that's cool, good, Paul's in prison, sorry. But Paul, rem- I mean, the Holy Spirit has to remind me, and he did while uh, studying for this, that actually, Paul was a real person, like just like the person next to you, Paul was a real person suffering for the gospel, and all the things that he went through were real. And so today, uh, we're going to look at verse 24 first, we're going to go verse by verse, and uh, I'll warn you, we're jumping in deep pretty fast, okay? I was given these verses. I wouldn't have picked a verse about suffering to be my first verse of the day. But we can do it together. So verse 24 says, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. And in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is, the church. So Paul says, Now I rejoice in my sufferings. Right now, in this moment, in this prison... I rejoice in my sufferings. You see, the kind of suffering that we're talking about is suffering for the gospel. It's suffering so that this message of Christ can be moved forward. And Paul could endure it joyfully because he knew the outcome. He knew what would be produced in the lives of others. And so suffering can be defined actually as pressure. So maybe you've never physically suffered for the gospel. Maybe you've never been beaten But I bet, and I would assume, that you've faced pressure before. Maybe it's pressure to just act like everybody else. Maybe it's pressure from people who are so resistant and opposed to the gospel. Or maybe it's pressure um, to even put the gospel first in your life. So maybe those are some ways that you face pressure that you've suffered. Or maybe you have a family that are completely opposed, and they don't understand why you would want to live for God. Maybe they don't understand the changes that you're making, the, the, how you're including God in the decisions that you're making. This might be some ways that you've suffered. But I know that Christ is actually most proclaimed loudly in our suffering. He is most loudly proclaimed in our suffering. So when, when your family sees you suffering well, no matter what you're going through, they can see Christ. When your people, your friends see you suffering well, they can see Christ. And so this man, Paul, with a chain on his wrist, and his future is uncertain, and his life is in danger, he can actually say, I rejoice. Right now, in this moment, I rejoice. Because what I do when I'm suffering sometimes is I'm like, oh God, this stinks. And then later I'm like... Oh, yeah, actually, you were working in that moment. But Paul, he's like, no, God, right now, in this moment, I know you've never left me, and so I rejoice. And I know that you're going to do something in my life through this. So the second part of this verse, we see it says, I'm going to read it again. It says, and in my flesh, in my physical body, I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is the church. To be honest, I was confused when I read the scripture. I'm like, Mel, can I have a different passage, please? Um, Because I didn't understand, why is Paul saying that something's lacking? Why is he saying that he's filling up on what is lacking? I thought what Christ did was enough. Just like Mike said, I thought his very last words were, it is finished. So why is Paul saying this? Is Paul saying it's not good enough? Because I think this goes against everything I believe. Um, But Paul is not saying that the suffering of Christ was not enough. Actually, the word afflictions here is used in reference to the affliction that Jesus endured during his time in ministry. His three years in ministry, this is what uh, Paul was talking about. So, we see here that ministry for Jesus was hard. And frankly, ministry is hard. But what Jesus went through on the cross was unfathomable. But his time in ministry was also very hard. And so... Some of the ways that we see this was Jesus couldn't even do any miracles in his hometown. And the people that he grew up with, he couldn't do any miracles because they were like, oh no, that's Joseph's son? No. Like, we can't do anything with him. He can't do anything. He can't, he can't change our lives. He's not the Messiah. Jesus was practically homeless. His life was not easy for his three years of ministry. And so what Paul is talking about in this particular scripture is he is talking about his personal sufferings for the gospel and how those afflictions were difficult But just like Paul and just like Christ, we too can understand the gospel. We too can understand the outcome of our suffering, what suffering can produce. We can look at our our problems or our situations or trials and we can be like, God, I actually know you're you're producing something beautiful in this right now. In my life, even in the people around me, you're producing something beautiful. So I'm going to choose joy because I know that you are good. And so sometimes... I think we don't understand, well, I definitely don't understand, we all don't understand how other people's suffering has actually benefited us, how other people's suffering has actually impacted us. And so one of the ways that, that God has taught me is even the Bibles that we have in our hands or on our phones, people have suffered much for us to have this truth, this sacred word of God that we can lean on every single day. So for most of us, our Bibles are actually easily accessible Um, You might even have more than one. There's so many in so many languages. You might have, well, you probably just have an English one. (laughs) But for most of us, uh, we have the scripture. And we actually owe very much. If you have a Bible in the English language, we owe very much to a guy named William Tyndale. William Tyndale was a man, he's sometimes called the father of the English Bible. And he translated the whole Bible pretty much from Greek to English. And he did this, and he, he suffered through that, actually. I'll tell you about that, that, it wasn't easy. But now, every single interpretation, there are many interpretations of Scripture in English. And every single interpretation that we have, his thumbprint is on it. And so, think about, if you didn't have the Bible in English, how, how would that impact your life today? And so, we can thank William Tyndale for that, but on October 6, 1536, he was burned, to death for doing this, for translating scripture. And so this man, thankfully, he suffered well, and he did what God called him to do, but now it's impacted many. It's impacted everybody who has ever read scripture in English, and I'm thankful for that. Paul also has been showing us that that we can suffer well. Whenever Paul was in prison in Rome, when he was writing this letter to the Colossian church, he also wrote a letter to the Philippian church. And uh, I want to read to you what Paul says about in Philippians, about what his suffering has actually produced. So we'll look at Philippians 1:12 to fourteen in the message. Paul says, "I want to report to you, friends, that my imprisonment, my suffering here, has had the opposite of its intended effect. Instead of being squelched, the message has actually prospered. All of the soldiers here and everyone else too found out that I'm in jail because of the Messiah. That piqued their curiosity, and now they've learned all about him." Not only that, but most of the followers of Jesus here have become far more sure of themselves in the faith than ever. Speaking out fearlessly about God, about the Messiah. I don't know about you, but this is how I want to suffer. And this is what I want my life and my suffering to produce. So in verse 25, we'll move on. We're done talking about suffering, maybe. Um, Verse 25, we see... Paul now saying, of which I became a minister. So he's talking about the suffering and the affliction and rejoicing. Of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you. To make the word of God fully known. The mystery hidden for the ages and generations but now revealed to the saints. So you might hear the term minister in Verse 25, and you're like, Yes, I don't have to listen because I'm not a minister. Steph has the mic. She can be a minister, but I'm not. But actually, the term minister here is defined as a servant, particularly the servant of a king. So, do you know where I'm going with this? (laughs) You're a minister. Um, So, what a servant does is that he executes the king's desires, he executes Not executes, but follows through with the king's desires. You know what I mean. And so therefore, we too are ministers of the gospel. And what our king desires is just right in this verse. Our king desires that the word of God, the living God Christ, would be fully known. So we get the honor... The honor of doing this. You see, this ministry that we've been given, this mission that we've been given, is actually not just reserved for a certain group of people with the title pastor, but it's actually the responsibility and the privilege and the lifestyle. It's meant to be that—the privilege, the lifestyle, responsibility of every single believer. And so, this is our responsibility. Sometimes I don't know about you, but I forget that we get to do this. Like I get to be at Summit. I get to share my faith with people, I get to share my story, I get to believe God for lives to be changed. Sometimes we see it as a have to, but here we see that it's actually an honor to serve our king. So just like Paul was chosen by God, God has also chosen us. He has positioned us, he's positioned you in places and your families and people around you where you can serve him well, where you can proclaim Christ. Christ. And so it's a delight and a joy to be used by God. So I'm reminding you of that today. I'm reminding myself of that today. And actually, this realization that he would allow us to be his servants should actually produce a deep sense of gratitude within us. And I believe that when we, when we see it as a blessing, as a delight rather than a burden, that this is what I have to do, we'll actually recognize this is the highest honor that we could have ever been given so in verse 26, we read that there's a mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now it's revealed to the saints. So we see that there's something in God's word that we also get to make known. There's this mystery that we get to make known. There's, this mystery is a truth that's never been told up to this point. Never before have we had this truth. No human mind could conceive this. No person could create this or come up with this. But it could only be revealed by God. And this mystery could only be understood when God showed it to us. And now that it's been revealed, it's changed everything. So for a minute, I want you to think of something. Actually, you have like five seconds. I want you to think of something that you had 20 years ago. Now, you, now that you have it, you're like, wow, I could have used that then. All right, think something. I'm going to share my thoughts. So 20 years ago, I would have been five. And so... I'm going to pretend like I wasn't five. Um, I know now that GPS on my phone has changed everything, right? You can plug in an address and get anywhere you want. You can search for a restaurant, go anywhere you want. Um, but I hear that there used to be these things called maps where you had to, like, unfold it and read it and try to figure out where you were going. I still can't read them, but it's okay. I'm your missions and outreach director travel. <laughs> But thankfully, God put me in an age where I can use a GPS. Um, but now, now that we have a GPS, it's changed everything. Something else that I think of is DirecTV, right? We can record all of our favorite shows. This is us. <laughs> we, it's the best. Um, we, can, we can go back and watch it at any time. We can pause it if we need to take a break, if we need to use the restroom, if we need to get a snack. We can pause it. So when I was growing up, um, I would watch Full House all the time, because it's the best, and because I was named after Stephanie Tanner. You're welcome, everyone. (laughs) My sister named me, because she watched Full House, too. And my parents couldn't think of a name for me. Um, But now I remember... When I was watching Full House, you know, you have to sprint to the bathroom because your show's on, but there's a commercial. You've got to run real fast and come back real fast, but my sisters are like, the show's back on, so there was no time for just clicking and pausing it, and now that's changed a lot that we can have TV. but this mystery that we have, I promise, is way better than Google Maps or TV. This mystery is so much greater, and it's something that I, I love this part. It's something that People in the Old Testament never had access to Abraham, Sarah, Noah, Solomon, never had access to. They could never tap into this mystery, but God has now revealed it for us and for the Colossian church. So, what is the mystery? I'll tell you <laughs> in the next verse. So, verse 27 says, to them, it's still talking about us. His saints it Says God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. This is the mystery. You can clap for Jesus if you want. <laughs> Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's not called, it's not called a mystery because just a few people would understand it. It's not called a mystery because just a few people would be given to it. It's been given to everyone. It's been revealed to everyone. The Jews, God's very own people, thought that God was actually unapproachable, that they would have to go to him. But actually, so now that they've been told that Christ is in them, it was a hard thing to comprehend, that Christ, who we thought was unapproachable, would actually come and be with us. One of the things that I love is, while studying for this is that The Old Testament reveals a lot of things about our Savior, about Jesus, where he would be born, that he would come, that he would be the Savior of the world, that we would have salvation. But what the Old Testament did not predict or reveal was that Christ would live in us. So this is why it's called the mystery. So I love that. I'm thankful that he has revealed that to us. And now, because we are in Christ, we also have the hope of glory, the hope of being able to display his nature and his character to our world. All the way up until Jesus, uh, he had had been making a way for, for people to come to him. And we've been learning that Jesus is supreme, right? That he's above all else. That he's the center of everything in time right now. And the center of everything in eternity. We'll worship him forever. But now, he's in the center of us. So this is the gift that we've been given. This is a part of the story that nobody had access to until now. And I don't know about you... But sometimes I, I forget that Christ lives in me. Let's look at John 14, verse 16 to 17. It says, and this is Jesus talking, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it doesn't see him or know him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. See, our God is not distant. He actually wanted to be so He would never want to be distant. Actually, we were created for a relationship, and now all of that can be attained because Christ dwells in us. Like I said, sometimes I forget that, that Christ lives in me. I just act like me lives in me, and that's not a good thing. Even um, sometimes I act like it's all dependent on my own strength. It's all up to me, and that's exhausting. Um, on Tuesday, I was preparing... For this, and I was with Kim and Christina at Commonplace, working at our second office, and um, we were talking about the sermon, and I, I was I was talking to Kim about it, and I said, Kim, I feel like I have so much to say about Christ in me and Christ in you, but I don't know how to say it, and she said, oh, I'm sorry, is it you or Christ in you? I thought that's what you were preaching, <laughs> so she's very nice, I just thought it was hilarious that she reminded me, uh, you're speaking on this, it's Christ in you, He can do this. So I imagine that you can relate. I imagine that sometimes you don't live with this reality, that Christ has been given to us, that he is in us. But God, he's so good that he knew we would struggle with this concept. So who better to look at the scriptures than the mother of Christ, Mary. Mary carried Christ in her womb. Mary carried our Savior in her. On an ordinary day, Mary stopped by an angel and told Hey, you're going to have a child. The Holy Spirit has conceived a child in you, and his name will be Jesus. I love what the angel says. I'll I'll summarize it. He he says, don't be afraid. You have found favor with God. You're going to have a son. His name will be Jesus, and he will be the son of the Most High God. He's going to be great. And honestly, I think about Mary. So she wasn't, Mary was not married. I like saying that. Mary was not married yet. So it's not Joseph's baby. She's going to face criticism. She's going to face being made fun of for now having this child. And I'm sure a lot of things were going to her mind. She could have said, wait a second, God in me? No, that's going to make me really uncomfortable. That's going to take me out of my comfort zone. Wait, Christ in me? I'm too afraid for this. Christ in me? I'm not gifted enough. Christ in me? No, there has to be someone else. But Mary's response in Luke 1.38 says, Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. So Mary's response is complete obedience, complete surrender. You know what? You know what? I'll deliver Christ to this world. He'll be in me, and I will deliver him to this world. And even though Mary found favor with God, she still faced suffering. She still faced being made fun of, like I said. Despite the honor of carrying Christ, she still faced suffering. So Mary is the picture of how close Christ will come to us. You see, we too have found favor with God. That's the whole reason that Christ is in us. Because by his grace, we now have life with him. And just like Mary, you and I will deliver Christ to our world. It's our honor, it's our responsibility, so I pray that we respond just like Mary with the reverence and the, and the honor of, all right, God, I'm your servant. Let it be, whatever you say, let it be according to your word. And I believe when we come to trust and understand that we carry his presence, that he is with us, that we'll look at every situation and we'll say, no, Christ in me, the hope of glory. I can do this because Christ is in me, it's not up to me. I have Christ in me, the hope of glory. Eventually we might get to the point where in Galatians 2.20 we say, It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So today, those thoughts that you battle, you can say, Christ in me, the hope of glory. The addiction that you can't break, Christ in me, the hope of glory. The broken relationship, Christ in me, the hope of glory. The pain, Christ in me, the hope of glory. This diagnosis, Christ in me, the hope of glory. Through every situation, we have Christ in us. and He's also given us the honor to deliver him to the people around us, the people that he has positioned us with. So in verse 28, we're going to wrap this up with the last two verses. We see it says, And him, Christ, we proclaim, Warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. So again, it's Christ we proclaim, right? Paul's talking about suffering and proclaiming Christ a lot through this. It's Christ that we proclaim. And to be clear, when the text says warning everyone and teaching everyone... It's not referring to shouting from a corner or um, blasting people or condemning people. Rather, it's about speaking truth in love. This is what Christ has done, and this is what we are called to do. And when we do this, we will see, like it says, we will see people come to maturity in Christ. We will see people come to be who God has designed them to be. So this is our honor and responsibility. The last verse of chapter 1, verse 29 says, For this I toil struggling with all energy, that he powerfully works within me. See, Paul is saying that he labors and he struggles because, again, ministry is hard. But he knows the outcome. He knows, you know what, this is so worth it because lives are going to be changed. So I will continue to actually get my power and my energy from Christ who lives in me. We have to remember this is where we get our power and our strength from. This is where we can learn to love and grow and learn in Christ. So what would happen if we all embraced Christ in us? What would happen if we all remembered this is the mystery he has given us? Corporately, I'm very proud of our church. I believe that we understand it's our responsibility to deliver Christ to our world. I feel like we understand Christ is in us as, as a body. And so let's, let's send people into our world and into our community because where we go, Christ goes. And so we also gather in small groups and we gather in community to remind each other, Christ in you, yes. right? That's the point of all of this. We've seen people step into freedom and step into their callings because they recognize, it's not me, it's Christ in me. So what if each of us, what if when we walked into our homes to parent our kids, what if when we walked into our workplaces, what if when we walked into our schools or the gym, we thought, you know what, Christ in me, forever forever. The hope of glory. And I believe that we'll understand, you know what? This one life that God has given me, this one body that I have is not mine, but it's Christ in me. And the people that actually desire to have Christ in them, because people do desire that. That's our goal. Then I believe the only way that they might find him is by meeting Christ in you. So let's be those people Let's live like Christ is in us. You see, our God, he could have easily chosen to dwell anywhere else. But he wanted to be with you. And actually, by being in you, he could spend every single moment with you. Don't you love that? That he wanted to be so close to you that he could be with you all the time. It seems so simple, like I was told that a long time ago. But God's given, showing me something fresh that he just loves to be with us. And I think he knew that we would need him so close. Literally so close. I think he knew that. I think he knew we would need him to draw from his power and his goodness. I think that he knew we needed him so close to suffer well. I think that he knew we needed him so close because we can't do it a day without him. And without him, we don't act like Christ in us because we don't have him. But I really can't imagine the people in our community, the people that we come into contact with who are actually just waiting to encounter Christ in us. So let's pray together. God, I thank you so much that you love us. I thank you that you are for us, that you have come to dwell in us, Lord. Thank you that our security is found in you. Thank you that, Lord, you wanted to be so close that you would come and dwell with us. Not only did you go to the cross, God, but you wanted to be close God, we thank you that you're never changing your mind. In scripture, it says you'll be with us forever. You have sent us a helper to be with us forever. And so, God, we say thank you for letting us be back in right relationship with you. Thank you for not leaving us on our own in this earth, God. Thank you that we don't have to depend on our own strength or our own power, but we actually get to draw everything from you. Lord, thank you that we can suffer well. Thank you that we can look to you in everything. So God, I pray for those that are here today. God, maybe they've never understood that you wanted to be so close. Maybe they've thought that you were actually really distant or really cold. God, I pray that you would come close to them today. God, I pray that you would be near to them. Show them how close you wanna be, not to condemn. To love, to transform, and to change, God. Let today be the day that changes everything. Draw those close today, move in us today. Now, with no one looking around, with your head bowed and your eyes closed, I just want to ask you, maybe you're here today and you recognize, you know what, I actually don't have Christ in me. Actually, I want to. Or one time, maybe you've walked with God, but you've completely turned away from him. You've completely walked out on him. And I want to tell you that you can come back to him today. He desires to be with you, he desires to be so close to you. I want to help you usher Christ back into your life. I want to help you spend forever with him. Our God is so kind, he doesn't force us, he doesn't force himself into our lives. He actually waits for us to say, All right, God, come in. I'm ready. So if you feel that way today, if that's you, I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm just going to ask you to lift up your hand so I can see it. And we'll pray with you where you're sitting. So if that's you today and you say, actually, I don't have Christ in me, but I need him so badly. I don't want to live a day without him. Would you go ahead and slip up your hand so I can see it? We'll pray with you. Thank you. I see you in the balcony. Two in the balcony, one on the left. Another one in the balcony. Anyone else? You say, that's me. I need him. I need him to come into my life. All right. We're going to pray together, whether you raised your hand or not. If you mean that in your heart, I want to pray this prayer together. So repeat this prayer after me. Dear Jesus, Thank you for loving me. Thank you for sacrificing everything to be with me, to dwell with me. I love you and I'm so glad that I can be with you. Thank you for this new life. Today, I choose you. Every day, I will choose you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, can we thank God? He's so good. Now you are in Christ, and now Christ is in you. If you made that decision today, we're so proud of you. We want to walk with you. We want to help you become all that Christ has created you to be. We want to help you grow mature into your walk with Christ, just like we want to become more and more mature. So if that's you today and you raised your hand, maybe you didn't raise your hand, but you made that decision today, there's a card in the seat back in front of you. On one side it says salvation. On the other side it says need prayer. You can fill out the side that says Salvation and drop that in the offering boxes, which are at the exits as you leave today. Um, At every door, at every exit, there are offering boxes. You can also, um, if you're not near a card or maybe you're watching online and you made that decision today and you want to let us know, you can text the word Salvation to the number 555-888 and we'll be sure to get back to you, help you find a church home, help you get plugged into community and become all that God has called you to be. So thankful that I got the opportunity to be with you today. Um, What's going to happen next is our worship team is going to lead us in one more song. We're going to worship together, and as we do, the prayer team will come, and they'll be on both sides of the stage. If you have prayer for anything at all, I want you to believe in Christ together for God, to to meet your needs, to do his will in your life. So make sure you take advantage and you meet with our prayer team. So we're going to worship together. You can stand. We'll worship together. And then in just a minute, Kim's going to close and uh, let us close this out. But I love you guys, and I'm so thankful to be with you today.